We're continuing our series, Five Things I Wish Jesus Never Said. And I've started a new list, and it's five things I wish I'd never done. And number one on the list is choosing to preach on this particular text today. Our text today comes from the Gospel of Mark. It has some difficult things to say to us. Um, it's the entire chapter, we're not reading the entire chapter, the entire chapter 13 in the Gospel of Mark is called the Little Apocalypse. And um, it has some really hard words for us and for the disciples. Uh, and this, in this, Jesus is telling his disciples, he's describing uh, also to the Jews so some things that a first century Jew would really understand. He's using some terminology, he's using some words and some imagery that the first century Jew really gets. It'd be like um, using things from TV to talk to us today. And so it was imagery that they get. This imagery is a little lost on us as not a first century Jew. And so it's, it's kind of lost on us. In this particular chapter, 13, is among the most difficult to understand in the New Testament. I mean, we try to read Scripture and we try to apply it to our life, and, and this one is difficult. It, it's, it's hard. But I assure you, the hearer would have gotten this very clearly. So the whole chapter is a, a literary genre. It's in the style of a lit literary genre called the apocalypse. Now, we think about the apocalypse as the end of the world. That's really not how apocalypse is used when you're talking about a literary style. It really means an unveiling. It's like, this, this is uh, a dream I've had, or this is something I've seen. So that's what apocalyptic literature is like, and it was sort of all the rage around the first century. And so there, there are lots of uh, apocalyptical texts that are not scripture, but there are a lot, many that are in this style. And so, um, this particular chapter can be broken into uh, five really different strands. The first is the prediction of the destruction of Jerusalem. The second is the coming persecutions. The third is warnings of dangers in the last days, in particular of Jesus' message being twisted. Warnings of a second coming, Jesus will come back. And then warnings to stay alert. Like, I'm coming back, but you don't know when. And so that's the sort of five sections of this. Ours comes, their text today comes from the middle of this. But let me point out to you that number one, two, and three happened shortly after Jesus was gone. The Jerusalem, and then the temple was destroyed in Jerusalem in 72 AD. We, we read stories about Christians who were persecuted for their faith. And Jesus' message began to be twisted by other people. I mean, you look at those three things, and I mean, you can make the argument that those things are sort of still happening today. So our text today is from the Gospel of Mark. It's chapter 10, I'm sorry. Uh, chapter 13, verses 10 through 13. And the good news must first be proclaimed to all nations. When they bring you to trial 
and hand you over, do not worry beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you at the time. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Woo, that's some good news, isn't it? Imagine yourself as a, a first century disciple. You're a follower of Jesus. We, we heard the story today. They were fishing. Hey, Jesus said, come and follow me. And what did they do? They dropped everything. No? Okay. Um, they dropped everything to follow Jesus. I mean, they literally left everything behind. Family, everything they know, they left it behind. And so they've been following this guy around the desert. I mean, they've seen him do miracles. They've seen him do things. He's teaching them. And it, we know if you look at the whole book of Mark, the disciples don't really get it. They're kind of dense in the gospel of Mark. And, and so they don't really understand all that's happening. So they've left everything. They followed Jesus around for years, walking all over the desert. And then he says to them this, you're going to be persecuted. People are going to hate you because of my name. Really, Jesus? Come on. How about some full disclosure before you invite us to come on this journey with you? This is a hard word. And can you imagine being that first century disciple, follower of Jesus? And he's telling you this. Jesus knew what was going to happen to them. Jesus knew what was going to happen. We, we read about in Scripture, we read about the death of James and Judas. And it's really silent on the death of all the other apostles, all the other disciples. But church tradition has it that every single one of them, but one of the Johns and Bartholomew, were martyred. Remember the tradition that Peter was crucified? But he didn't want to be crucified in the manner in which his Lord was, so he was crucified upside down. We read about in things like Fox's Book of Martyrs, or, or the story of Felicitas and Perpetua I've shared with you before, about people who were being persecuted, put to death, and full of God's glory and smiling that they could die for their faith, are gored by bulls and devoured by lions. What Jesus said had come to pass because of his name. These people were persecuted and killed. And then in verse 12, Jesus says that family members would betray family members even unto death. This too happened during the Roman persecutions. 
Children were ratting out parents, and parents were ratting out children, turning them in for being one of these crazy Christians, one of these believers. We have accounts of those very things happening. And the words that Jesus chose would have been very familiar to the first century Jew who was hearing this, because he's quoting from the book of Micah, where the prophet said, For the son treats the father with contempt. The daughter rises up against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies are members of your own household. So the first century Jew in hearing this would have recognized those words as having come from the prophet Micah. Then Jesus goes on to say that you will be hated because of my name. But those who endure will be saved. So Jesus is using familiar language to tell the disciples that you've chosen the hard way. Following me is not the easy way. Giving your life over to me is not the easy thing to do. I think Jesus says that very same thing to us. You have chosen the hard way. You've chosen the difficult path to be a follower of me. Now look, the idea of us being persecuted for being Christians is really foreign to us. We have this idea of freedom of religion. We don't worry about jack-booted soldiers coming in to our worship service and rounding us up. But I promise you, there are people in our country who hate Christians with all the hate that they can muster, simply because you believe. Persecution is happening all over the world. I mean, it's on the cover of this book. 160,000 Christians die every year simply for their faith. I've shared with you that I had an opportunity uh, to be the uh, caretaker of 12 Russian pastors that came over here and, and they were doing some studies at Perkins School of Theology and I was their tour guide. And I had the opportunity to talk to one among them, his name was Georgi, and he was a former colonel in the Soviet Army. And I don't know if you know this or not, but it, the rest of the world, in a lot of places, um, they call Christians believers. They'll ask you, are you a believer? And that, they're asking you, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And so he told me his mother was a believer. And, and when she died, she gave Georgi her Bible. His, yeah, her Bible to him. And he had to hide his Bible. He couldn't let his superiors know that he had a Bible. 
and he kept it hidden. And I don't know exactly how, but he told me one day one of his commanding officers saw his Bible, and the next day he was on a plane to Afghanistan where he was shot twice. He later came back and became a Russian Methodist pastor. He knew persecution. So this is uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. It goes way back to the earliest of times, and this particular book kind of ends around 1995, somewhere in that area. But this could happen today in China. So this is in China in 1990. I have to get my glasses. I meant to put them on the pulpit before I got up here. Sorry. This getting old thing is tough. I know. Emilio Crotti, who had been a prisoner in China, wrote about his experiences. Among other things, he wrote this. From my cell, I heard a mother speak soothing words to her child of five, whose name was Xiaomei. She had been arrested with the child because she had protested against the arrest of her bishop. All the prisoners were indignant at seeing the suffering of the child. Even the prison director said to the mother, don't you have pity on your daughter? It is sufficient for you to declare that you give up being a Christian and will not go to church anymore. Then you and your child will be free. In despair, the woman agreed and was released. After two weeks, she was forced to shout from a stage before 10,000 people, I am no longer a Christian. On their return home, Xiaomei, who stood near her when she denied her faith, said, Mommy, today Jesus is not happy with you. The mother explained, You wept in prison. I had to say this out of my love for you. Xiaomei replied, I promise that if we go to jail again for Jesus, I will not weep. The mother ran to the prison director and told him, you convinced me to say wrong things for my daughter's sake, but she has more courage than I. Both went back to prison, but Xiaomei no longer cried. That's happening all over the world. I mean, I, I talked to a a woman from Pakistan that was a Christian, and, and she, she was a beautiful lady. And some Muslim people thought she was too pretty to be a Christian, and so they threw acid in her face. So let me remind you how fortunate we are to live where we live with the freedoms that we have. And yet, I'm convinced that maybe not in my generation, but, but sometime in the future, being a follower of Jesus Christ in the United States is going to cost you something. I don't know what it is, but I, I do know that it's getting harder and harder to be a devout Christian in the United States. Conservative Christian actors find it, or actresses, find it difficult to find work in Hollywood. Professors that are on a tenure track 
in academia are at best closet Christians until they achieve tenure. You may have experienced some discrimination because of your faith. It's happening around us. We still can practice our faith freely, but there may come a time where being a Christian is not convenient, not well looked upon. And so this text today asks me, can I stand up to that? Can I stand up to the harsh reality of my faith being tested? Can I stand up to my faith making my life more difficult, not better, maybe because of political circumstances around me? We've seen it with Supreme Court judges who, who are deep in the Catholic faith, that, that some question their ability to be faithful to the Constitution because they're Catholic. So how is your faith? Are you going to be a believer in Christ when it's not easy? When it's hard? In this passage, Jesus is reminding us that his way is the hard way. It's not the easy way. It's not all just grace and love and joy. Those are a part of our faith. Those are things that we believe. And they are true and they are real. But our faith can be tested in all kinds of ways. Can your faith stand up to that? Can you hang on to Jesus no matter what? This passage, it's hard words. But I think they're true. They certainly were true for the disciples. And I think they may be true for us, and they certainly are true for some of our brothers and sisters around the world. Let your faith stand fast, no matter what. Let us pray. Gracious and almighty God, for those who have chosen the hard way, and are experiencing that, Father, pour out your grace upon them. Pour out your love and your mercy. Keep them safe from persecution. Keep them safe from death because of their faith. Like the martyrs of old, they hang on to their faith, knowing that in the end, you win. They win. Give them courage. And Father, we are so privileged 
to live where we live and to be able to practice our faith openly and, and without concern. Give us courage to practice it better. Give us the courage to live our Christian life out loud for people to see and to experience your love through us. We know, Jesus, that your way is the hard way, but we will follow with all that we are, with all that we have. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.